The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. If you're able, please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at three passages, but we'll only stand for one. And I want to ask you please to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 and um, verses 3 through uh, 3 through 14 contain a doxology. You can see the word uh, at the very beginning of blessing the Lord. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here is a doxology. Verses 1 through 6 give praise to God the father. Verses 7 through 12 give praise to God the son. Then verses 13 through 14 give praise to God, the Holy Spirit. I just want you to read that with me, and then we'll read a couple of other texts. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. In Him, that's referring to Jesus. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promise Holy Spirit, he sealed you in Christ. And who is he? He is the guarantee. Another word for that would be earnest payment. Another word for that would be down payment. He is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You may be seated and then would you turn with me? Would you turn with me to... The Gospel of John, whenever you're dealing with the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we have sung of him, we have confessed the truth about him this morning, we come to the Word to understand this article of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit, there is no text that would be more important to see other than Ephesians 1 and another one we're going to read in a moment, Romans 8, then John chapters 14 through 16. I want to read a couple of verses from John 14 and 16. Look with me in John 14 and, um, and look down uh, to verse uh, 9. John 14, and I'm sorry, John 14 and verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Now, You may have the word comforter there. You may have the word counselor there. Uh, You may have just the transliteration, the paraclete there. That he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So we now know this helper, this other helper is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Then turn over to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you 
while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Then slip over to chapter 16. Chapter 16. And go with me to verse 1. Chapter 16 and verse 1. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming that whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But from now on, I am going to him who sent me. That's referring to what we've already studied. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father. So I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. That is, I'm going away. You're sorry about this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage. You shouldn't be sorry about this. It's actually to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, there's that word again, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness because I go to the father and you will see me no longer concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, one more text. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and if you would, look at verse 9. Oh, hear those rustling pages. Amen. Presbyterian air conditioning. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ. Now, notice he has just given two names to the Holy Spirit, spirit of God and the spirit of Christ. That anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, so in other words, if the Spirit's in you, that's tantamount to Christ is in you. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you will put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, 
Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The grass withers, the flower fades, God's word abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may his word be preached for you. So why all these passages on the Holy Spirit? Well, the reason why is that's where we are in our study of the Apostles' Creed, this economic distillation of essential biblical truths. Now, not all the essentials, but all that's in it is an essential. And we readily see something when we get to where we are today. I believe in the Holy Spirit. What do we see? That this Apostles' Creed that has been arranged for discipling God's people, apostles, see the apostrophe after the S. In other words, this isn't the work of any one apostle. This is the work of those who were discipled by the apostles to go back to the New Testament that was given by the Spirit of God through the apostles to explain how everything in the Word of God in the Old Testament is fulfilled in Christ and then explained and expounded of what it means to be a Christian. And then they have developed this distillation of biblical truths that we can use in worship, we can use in discipleship, and we can use to make sure that we stay faithful to sound doctrine in Christ's church. And that's why this has been developed for us. And one of the things that's obvious is it's Trinitarian. It'll be followed by another creed, the Nicene Creed, which will expound on the Trinitarian work of God and existence of God. So you see, how did you start off? I believe in God the Father. Then you went to, I believe in God the Son. Now, most of the material in the Apostles' Creed is around who Jesus is and what Jesus did. But the Father who sends the Son, and now the Son who is ascended, who sends forth the Holy Spirit... And the work of the Holy Spirit and the blessings of the Holy Spirit are given to us and introduced with this article of faith. I believe in the Holy Spirit. So I want you to get ready and I actually want you to participate. Okay? Don't act like a Presbyterian. I want you to participate. You ready? I believe in God the Father. Do you? I believe in God the Son. Do you? I believe in God the Spirit. Do you? Then you're unusual. Can I tell you why? Just got some more information. A ministry that we have the privilege to work with, Ligonier Ministries, RC's with the Lord, but the ministry continues, thank the Lord. They have, every two years, they do a survey of, now listen to me carefully, not Christian churches, evangelical Christian churches. That is, those who claim to believe the truth of God's word and the claims of God's word. And they've done a survey every two years. This year, they published the results. I've actually done a couple of programs on Today in Perspective on this because it is so shattering in a sense. But... Interestingly, concerning the Holy Spirit, describe who the Holy Spirit is. Over 40% said the Holy Spirit is a force. 
So when they say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, they're not talking about the same Holy Spirit's in the Bible. Now, does the Holy Spirit have power? Give power? Yes. Is he forceful? Yes. But is he the force? It sounds like to me you were catechized by Star Wars more than the Bible. Forty plus percent. The force. Who is the Holy Spirit? And I know many of us would say, well, I mean, that's, hey, Harry, uh, boy, at Briarwood, we haven't taught that, have we? We didn't talk. I know we haven't. And um, 60 years now, we've tried to be faithful to what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, who he is. And not, not just what he is, but who he is. But sometimes you even hear believers betray What's really working in their mind, they'll say things like this. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I tell you, it's really important. It? Sometimes our vocabulary betrays us. It? That's an impersonal pronoun. The Bible never calls him an it. He's a he. He's a him. The Holy Spirit. The unique. If you ever are in the context of a Christian church that is intentionally attempting to be faithful to Christ, one thing ought to be evident rapidly, clearly, and you shouldn't have to discover it. These people believe that there is one God who dwells in three persons. It is shouted and bleeds out of their hymns, it is seen in their confessions, it is seen in their preaching and heard in the preaching and in the teaching. One God who dwells in three persons, not one God who has three responsibilities or three different uniforms, not one, not three gods who act like one, but one God who exists in three persons, one God who exists in three persons. And it is clear. It comes through constantly. While I listen to them speak on the doctrine of creation, that God created and all things were created in, through, by, and for His Son, whether visible or invisible. And the Holy Spirit hovered. Do you remember that passage in Genesis where it says that God spoke everything and the and the waters covered the deep and it was unformed and unfilled and then the Holy Spirit hovered, superintended. The Father authored the creation. The Son accomplished it. The Holy Spirit administered it and took the chaos and made it into a cosmos of order. Same thing happens in redemption. The Father has authored our salvation to the praise of His glorious grace. The Son has accomplished our salvation to the praise of His glorious grace. The Holy Spirit has applied salvation to the praise of His glorious grace. God's providence, the Father 
oversees us as his children. His son intercedes for us and the Holy Spirit is at work in us, even in our life and our breath, so that all things work together. Not all things are good, but all things work together for good through the superintending work of the Holy Spirit and the Son and the Father. The Trinitarian nature of the uh, the Trinitarian existence of God ought to be abundantly clean, uh, seen, experienced. It should be nothing hidden. You shouldn't have to go study for it. You know, certainly, the doctrine of the Trinity is beyond my incomprehension. It is beyond me. But God's existence, while it is supernatural, supra-rational, supra-logical, is never irrational or illogical. He has revealed himself with truth from his word. This is who I am, and God is one God in three persons. And the attribute of all attributes to describe God God and the attribute in which all of the other attributes derive their existence is if I and if I was to ask you this, I would say, well, I'm going to pass out a sheet of paper. Give me one word. Give me one word to describe who God is. And you can't use his names. You can't use his titles. You have to use one word. And and by the way, I'm going to restrict you even more. You can only use four letters, a, a four-letter word. Well, most Christians would, and I understand why I'm not being cynical or picky on this. Most would write the word love. God is love. And by the way, you're right. God is love. But I would suggest to you that that is not the attribute of all the attributes. The attribute of all the attributes is not love, but God is holy. There is none like him. Holiness has two meanings, unique, one of a kind, and perfection in righteousness. And Harry, where do you get that? Because whenever they're worshiping him in heaven, there's one word they use. Holy. Not love. Now, is his love true and do we praise him for it? Yes, God has multiple attributes. Love, grace, patient, righteous, merciful. God has multiple glorious attributes and I praise God for them. But the one that modifies them all is God's love is holy. God's grace is holy. God's mercy is holy. That's why in the heavens, whether it's Isaiah 6 or if it's in the book of Revelation, whenever it's opened up and we see the heavenly worship service and those that are surrounding, what is it that they say? And they don't just say it once. They say it in the normative. Then they say it to the comparative. And then they say it to the superlative. Holy, holy, holy. And even the thresholds have enough And doorposts of heaven have enough sense to tremble in his presence. God is holy. The Bible says, what is it that knows the mind of a man but the spirit of a man? And the spirit of God is not called the love spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. Now, when you walk with him... And when you surrender to him, and when you're filled with him, and the fruit of the Spirit comes, what happens? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
gentleness. But who is he? He is the one of a kind righteous spirit who, because of what Christ did on our behalf, is now free to come after us, for us, live within us, change us, and bring us to glory. The Holy Spirit. He has many other names. His paramount name in the New Testament is in John 14, 15 and 16. That paramount name of, G, of the Holy Spirit is the Helper. But it's not just the Helper. Can anybody help me? If, when the Bible says that Jesus, is, that Jesus said, I'm going to send to you, who is he going to send? Does anyone remember? Who is he going to send? I, I know you're just scared to death. You're going to get it wrong. He probably will. But you just read it. I will send to you another helper. I will send to you the helper. That's a tough word to translate. Counselor, um, comforter. And uh, it's just really difficult. I just kind of like to give the, I would rather us just do the Greek word and transliterate it and then talk about it. It's the word paraclete. Para means alongside of. We talk about parachurch ministries, alongside of the church, to support the church. That I am sending another paraclete. The word clete, I'm sorry, just a little Greek here, because I think it's helpful. The Greek says the paraclete, the, that's a, the root word of that clete is the word kaleo, kaleo. Does that sound like something? Call. I'll send another one who will Call you from sin to me, the one who came for you. I, the one who came to save you, will now send another one who will call you from darkness to light, from sin to the Savior, the Holy Spirit. Sometimes translated helper, sometimes translated Counselor, sometimes translated comforter. And so here's the way. And then he goes on to say, listen, they're going to throw you out of the synagogues. They're going to attack you. They're going to assault you. But I'm, I want you to know I've spoken to you. I've warned you. And I'm going to send to you the comforter, another comforter, another helper, comforter. And we hear that. Now, what do you think when you hear of another comforter? He just told you, you're going to get persecuted. You're going to get targeted. Don't be surprised. Don't fall away. Remember, I taught you and told you this was coming and I'm sending. This is why it's really important for you that I go to heaven because here you got to come find me when I'm teaching here and teaching there. But when I go to heaven, I'll be with each one of you by sending to you the paraclete. The Holy Spirit are the Spirit of Christ. In other words, the one who was in the womb with Jesus, conceived by the Holy Spirit. The one who guided Jesus as he grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and favor with man in the humanity of Jesus. The one who was poured out upon him in his messianic ordination at baptism. This is my son in whom I am well pleased and the Holy Spirit 
poured out upon him as he was baptized with the Spirit. And then the Spirit sent him into the wilderness. And then the Spirit sustained him in the temptations. And then the Spirit went with him into Galilee, even when they rejected him. And then the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit that is uh, the Holy Spirit at work in Christ, then sent him to the cross. And then took him out of the tomb. And with that spirit, he was resurrected. And then that spirit received him into glory in the Shekinah clouds from the Mount of Olives. And then he says, I need to go. Don't be sorrowful. It'll be better for you. Because if I go, I can be with each and every one of you. For when I go, I will send the promise of the Father, Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ, the one that was with Him from the womb through the tomb and into glory, is the one who will be with you from the time you're born again to the time He brings you to glory. And I'll be with you, for I will send the Spirit, my Spirit, to you. And He will come alongside of you. More than that, He'll take up residence within you. And He will be the Comforter. Now, what do you think when you hear that? He'll be the Comforter. In the midst of all of the assaults of living for Christ in a broken world. What do you think of? I know what I think of. That he'll come along and I know, Harry, that's pretty bad. They shouldn't have wrote those emails about you. I got three of them that were out there this week. Uh, they shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done that. And by the way, they did. And I understand that. I just want you to know. We kind of, He comes along, puts his arm around us. I'm going to comfort you. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yes, yes. Yes, yes. He'll comfort you, but it's much more than that. This is where you ought to volunteer to John to sing in the choir. And then John will teach you how to read music. And you'll read a little word on a music's page. It's the word forte. It means strong. When the Holy Spirit comes, he is your comforte. He is your refuge. He fortifies you. And it's not he comes in to pick up the pieces. He's there with you. And the Lord is in you, your refuge and your strength. I'll give him to you. The spirit of Christ. You see him in the world, don't you? He's out in the world. Remember, he's convicting the world of sin, judgment, and righteousness. And he is restraining sin in the world. That's what he's doing out in the world. He is restraining sin. Now, can I do something that I shouldn't do because y'all are going to get off thinking about something else and I need you to stay with me? But I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. I'd really like to do I'm, I'm thinking about a sermon on this. But one of the things that the Bible says in the book of Revelation is that right before Jesus comes, there's going to be a loosening of Satan. And it's going to be horrendous for a, quote, Short season. Paul describes that as the moment when he who restrains is taken away. That's referring to Holy Spirit. His ministry in the world is restraining 
those of total depravity from living with absolute depravity. That's why, here's my little thing. I know I'm going to lose you right now, but just hear it and don't, don't let me lose you. I believe that's happening now. I believe the restraining presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm praying it's not. I'm actually praying that we're actually going to get into this thing the way we ought to as a revived church. And then the Holy Spirit, through his revived church, will do his restraining work and his converting work. The Holy Spirit, in common grace, restrains sin in society. And in redeeming grace, converts sinners and whose lives change and are transformed. But I, I believe that we're in that moment. I believe we're seeing something like that right now, which is one of the reasons I'm praying for the work of the Holy Spirit. And can I say something else? Can I tell you when, that, when the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, revival-wise, is instead of raging at the darkness, we'll start lighting candles, gospel candles. Many of us in the flesh, seeing what's happening, are raging at the darkness. It's much more effective to light the gospel candle and let it shine and dispel the darkness. That's what the Holy Spirit enables us to do that converts sinners and restrains sin. The other thing the Holy Spirit is doing is he gives, he's the spirit of truth. He gives us the word of God. And then he comes to you, the very one who gave the word of God through the apostles and prophets, then comes to live within you and is your teacher. He is the teacher of what he delivered through the apostles and prophets. He's there to help you. And one of the ways he helps you is by giving the gifts of preaching and teaching in the church through which he blesses you. That's why it's important for you to understand the Holy Spirit's not a force. He's a person. Guess what you can do with a person? You can quench your relationship. You can grieve. You can even do that unpardonable sin, which is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. When someone does that, that means they have said no to the Holy Spirit's ministry, which is to bring people to Christ. And the reason that's the unpardonable sin, if you say no to his call to come to Christ, then that's the only way you can be pardoned is through Christ. But those who have said yes to Christ through the Holy Spirit, we can. Why would Paul say don't grieve the Holy Spirit, don't quench the Holy Spirit if we couldn't do it? Quench, it literally means throw water on. Harry, how do I do that? I'll tell you how we do this. You're going to think I'm self-serving. I am not. Uh, this, In fact, this is overwhelming to me. But we quench the Spirit when we decide we want to neglect God's Word. When we decide there's something more important than the... I'm not talking about providential hindrances. But we just decide there's something much more important in my life than the preaching of God's Word. The teaching of God's Word. My encounter with God's Word. That grieves the Holy Spirit because He gave the Word of God and He's been given to teach you the Word of God, and He works with the Word of God. Put no confidence in the flesh. It is the Spirit who gives life. My words are spirit and life. He works with the Word of God. And when I'm saying no to worship, no to worship, no to the Word, no to prayer, I am grieving the Holy Spirit. And when I say no to being filled with the Spirit, no to being controlled by the Spirit, no to the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and patience, but I begin to say yes to grumbling and gossip and slander and backbiting and, and all of those things that are distressed. When I say no to 
to be an encourager of others and decide I'm going to be a discourager because I feel better if they get down. When we do that, we are quenching the Spirit of God. No wonder the world goes off and says no when they see that. That's why we have the Spirit of Christ within us. That we can walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, controlled with the Spirit, and then bear fruit of the Spirit. As that Spirit of God calls you. Don't you remember it? Folks, I was raised in a home. We went to church. We were there. Church was here. Preachers were in our home. My granddaddy was a member of the Billy Graham team. I heard great preachers. But I didn't hear Jesus. Because not only do you have to have the preaching of the word, you've got to have the spirit of God. Nothing wrong with the preaching. But here's why I know. All of a sudden, my I went to church with Cindy. And this guy's preaching. And I'm going to tell you, he is not scintillating. I love him to death. But he was not scintillating. And uh, by any means. But that day. I heard Jesus. And I couldn't wait to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Went home that night, read my whole Bible. Uh, my whole New Testament, excuse me, not the whole Bible. The New Testament. Woke Cindy up in the morning and said, what did I do next? What happened? I'll tell you what. This is the guy who wouldn't pack a pair of trousers so he would be able to tell his grandparents he couldn't go to church when he went to visit them. Now I'm looking up places to go find somebody preaching God's word. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. I didn't become something I wasn't. There's someone who came to me, came to me and made me something I wasn't. It was the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden I heard God's word. See, when God faithful is he who calls you, how does he call you? With his word and by his spirit. He calls you externally. Not one of you here came to Jesus without somebody talking to you. Why did they talk to you? The spirit of God enabled them and sent them to you. Then you heard when the Spirit of God gave you eyes to see. That's internal calling. Eyes to see and ears to heard. Then comes something glorious. It's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You're born again. You need a second birth. A new birth. You're born again by the Spirit of God who uses the Word of God. And you come from death unto life. And now the, the call, whosoever will may come, you can come. Because now God changed your wonder. Now you want Jesus. Before that, you just want yourself. Because the Holy Spirit gave you a new heart. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The Holy Spirit has done that work in your life. And he not only called you, he not only regenerated you, he takes up residence within you. He starts teaching you how to kill the old man, how to put on the new man, how to kill sin, how to pursue obedience. Not to be saved, but because of your love for the Savior. That's the Spirit of God who is at work in your life. That you want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Christ. That's his work in your life. Then he takes up residence in your life as he now tells you, you've not only been born again into the family of God, you've been adopted into the family of God. And the spirit of of adoption has come to you. You know, I, I love all of our people here who are engaged, and I love our ministry, foster care and adoption, but I, there's, I feel so inadequate sometimes, and almost always, not always, many, many times, one of the great challenges in the whole ministry of adoption 
is particularly when there's older children that have been adopted. And they, I've, I've learned a phrase, detachment syndrome. But kind of what it is, as I understand what they've shared with me, these professionals, is that the person feel, the children feel they've been rejected. They've been orphans. And they perform to get adopted. Will I perform well enough to stay adopted? Or will I get taken back to the orphanage? And it's hard to believe. So it's kind of in self-protection. They don't believe that you're really going to keep them. Well, buddy, if there's anybody that ought to wonder how in the world did we get adopted in the family of God, it's us. He didn't need us. But he loved us and he adopted us into his family. We who were his enemies, we have brought us. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And the spirit of adoption, I'll give you an attachment syndrome. My spirit will bear witness with your spirit and you will cry out, Abba, Father, my dear Father, the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. He'll be working your life to take you all the way to glory. He'll go with you to the valley of the shadow of death. I'll be with you. He'll be with the church as we make disciples of all the nations. I'll be with you to the end of the age. He'll be with you when you're under persecution. I'll give you what to say and how to say it. He is at work within you. Christ in you by the spirit of Christ who is in you and who is at work. Well, let me just give you the takeaway and I'll uh, and, and then um, uh, I'm, I'm out of time with you. And let me just give you these thoughts to walk away with. My goodness, that, there's so much here. I'd love to just spend. Man, if there's any article of faith that begs for about 25 sermons, it's this one. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Oh, the magnificent way that he is at work in our life. Just think of these things and then I'll close in prayer. This Holy Spirit is at work in your life sovereignly. You remember what Jesus said about to Nicodemus? He said, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it's coming from. The Holy Spirit. Now, listen, here's what I do know. God's spirit always works with God's word and through the prayers of his people. But I am not sovereign over the Holy Spirit. But I can pray and I can open the word. And I know that when the Holy Spirit does sovereignly move, he always works with the word and prayer. So I can pray and use the word, use the prayer to call upon the Holy Spirit to work and open the word with which he does work but it is sovereign of God you are what you are today by the sovereign grace of God that's the only reason you know Jesus it wasn't because you're smarter than someone else you were more spiritual than someone else it's because the Holy Spirit sovereignly worked in your life and we more than anybody ought to sing amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me i was lost but i was found i was blind but now i see secondly it's supernatural can't explain it I was a profane, immoral, blasphemous, ungodly, violent man. And now the same mouth that cursed God every sentence now teaches the word of God. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. I'm telling you it's a miracle. I know it's a miracle. 
It's a miracle we know Jesus. I mean, every one of you that know Jesus, you've had a heart transplant. The old heart was cut out and the new heart was given. It's a miracle. You're a new creation. This is miraculous, wonderful grace of the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It is miraculous what's at work in our life. I mean, who are the three most prolific writers of the Bible? I'll guess, I'll just take a shot. David, Moses, and uh, David, Moses, and Paul. All three are murderers. How you like that for a miracle? That is, I don't know about you, that encourages me. Traitors, religious terrorists. Here's a religious terrorist that kills Christians and destroys churches. Became the greatest evangelist and the greatest church planter that ever lived. Miracle of grace is at work. It's supernatural. It's sovereign. It's not only sovereign and supernatural. Let me give you a third one. The third one is, is that it is saving. Jesus saves you and me from the power of our sin, from the persuasion of our sin, from the penalty of our sin. He is saving us from the practice of our sin. He will save us from the presence of our sin. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He did not. I've said it before. Please bear with me, but I've got to keep saying it. He didn't go to the cross for your self-esteem. He didn't go to the cross for a therapeutic gospel so you feel better about life. He didn't go to the cross so you'd become the best salesman at the office. He didn't go to the cross so you'd get healthy, wealthy, and wise. He may entrust you with all kinds of things in his providence. But he went to the cross to save his people from the power, the penalty, the persuasion, the position, the practice, and one day from the presence of sin. That's what I have to offer to you today in the name of Jesus Christ. He has done a saving work. And not only that, let me give you a fourth one. He has done a a sensible work. You remember what I said? Holy Spirit. We used to use the word Holy Ghost. But ghost was specific and spirit was anomalous. Nowadays, it's flipped. Spirit is specific and ghost is anomalous. So now we say Holy Spirit. But what are we talking about? We're talking about a person who cannot be seen. That's what spirit is, a person who cannot be seen. But yet it's sensible. I hear him speaking to me in the word. I see him. Can I tell you one of the ways I see Jesus? I'm looking at you. There is no reason for you to be here today desiring to worship God in spirit and in truth if the Holy Spirit who called you out did not call you together. We're making a statement. And the only here's one of the statements we're making. You know what got us here today? Wasn't that preacher? It wasn't that building. Those Praise God for all the things that he granted us. We're here today because we who are not a people have become the people of God. And we want to declare the glory of God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Only the Spirit of God can turn us from idolaters to worshipers in spirit and in truth. And then you've got also, you've got the fact that uh, not only is it sovereign and supernatural and saving and sensible, but it's also secure. It's also sanctifying. He's setting us apart. I'll just give you these last ones and then I'll close in prayer. He is setting us apart that we might know him and love him. 
And not only is it is it uh, sanctifying, but he's sealing us. He's the guarantee. I know I'm going to heaven in Jesus. Why? Because I've got the guarantee. I've got the earnest money. I've got the down payment. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee that he'll finish the work that he has begun. His spirit bears witness with my spirit. That we are sons of God. And he secures us. All that the Father gives me, I'll lose not one, but bring them to the last day. I stood on a rock one time in, um, right outside of Boston where George Whitfield preached. They said on that sermon, I tried to go back and remember it. They said in that sermon when he got to the end, he said this. He said, uh, he said, in my mind's eye, I dreamed, and in my mind's eye, I went up to the gates of heaven, and I said to Peter, Peter, who's in heaven? Are there any Baptists? No. Are there any Presbyterians? No. Are there any Episcopalians? No. Who's there? Those who were bought by the blood of Jesus, filled with the Spirit of God. Christians. That's who's here. Then my mind's eye took me to the gates of hell and I said to Satan, Any Baptist in hell? Oh, yeah. Any Presbyterians? Oh, yeah. Any Episcopalians? Oh, yeah. Satan, are there any Christians in hell? Oh, no. They're all there because of the blood of Jesus that sealed them and the Holy Spirit who sealed them and secured them. He loses not one. Well, I've given up on Fixer Upper. I just got tired of watching that program. But here, I thought I would reference it just to finish this way. The Holy Spirit I've got another S for you. I know that was seven of them. I've got another one. Surrender. Don't quench him. Don't grieve him. Surrender to him. Can I tell you what he'll do? In your life, he won't fix it up. He'll tear it down. And you won't get a nice little bungalow. You'll get a mansion whereby he dwells in you. He doesn't just come alongside of you. He dwells in you. And he's not doing a fixer-upper. He's doing an extreme makeover. Because he's doing a complete takeover. Surrender to him who will take you to Jesus. Let's pray. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Father, I want to pray and ask if there's anyone here who has not surrendered to the Spirit's call to come to Christ, that they would do so today. And if you would like to pray with someone, please know I'm available. We will have people available. But just come to Jesus by His Spirit. He died for you. 
He is ready by his spirit to take up residence in you and bring you to be with himself, even as he dwells with you by his spirit, sealing you, sanctifying you, saving you, securing you, sovereignly working in your life. Just put your trust in him. You say, Pastor, I've done that. Then here's what I would ask you. Surrender to him every day. Get in the word. Get in prayer. Gather with his people. Surrender. Don't grieve him. Don't quench him. Surrender. Be led by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. And watch as he works in your life. And you bear the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus, work in us. Love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Spirit of the living God, bear fruit in us that people will be drawn to Christ and we will become more like him. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reader, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.